Thank you for joining us on a Morally Podcast with Tony May. Morally Podcast is purpose built for America. Through our military veterans and military supporters, we show that the values and qualities that built this country, such as service, sacrifice, respect, and faith, are not dead. A Morally Podcast builds community so individuals can improve their communities. Welcome to another edition of a Morally Podcast. We do have a repeat offender with us today, Jesse Fuchsia, who is an active duty Army Ranger who takes his and gives up his free time to share a little bit about commercial real estate. Jesse, your episodes have been some of our highest watch, and I think it's because you're providing detailed content and that mindset of like, hey, I can do this. I could probably earn some extra income with the resources afforded to me by being into the military or being a veteran. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. I mean, privileged to be here with you and, and always a privilege to be here with your listeners and audience and, and stuff like that. And, and before we hop into the, uh, the podcast tonight, uh, obviously today's September 9th and we're on the eve of this this massive anniversary of, of the 20 year anniversary of 9-11 this weekend. And uh, as I was driving to the gym this morning, I'm always in a place of thought. It's kind of a quiet time. It's just me in the car. And I was reflecting on that moment and, and what happened, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago. And, and when I deployed in the spring of 2020, I'm from upstate New York to remind you, I actually carried a piece of steel rebar uh, from the World Trade Center uh, on me during that deployment. And, uh, you know, that that day is, is one of the main reasons why, you know, I'm in the military to begin with. 9-11. And actually, before I was in the military, I was actually a volunteer firefighter. Um, in my hometown. And, and one of the instructors in the class deployed to ground zero uh, right after 9-11. He tells this pretty incredible story of, uh, you know, coming out of ground zero after working, you know, a 40-hour shift. And there are people, you know, on the streets handing out bottles of water and and trays of pizza to the firefighters, the police officers and stuff like that. And he, he tells the story of a, a young girl on her father's shoulders uh, holding up a sign that read, uh, New York's bravest truly are the bravest in the world. So as we sit here on the eve of this, you know, this massive anniversary, and who knows if you and I would even be sitting here talking today if it, if it wasn't for that cataclysmic event. But uh, I just wanted to draw attention to that before we, you know, we get started. It was as I was in a place of thought this morning, I reflected on it and, and what that event meant to me. But I'm curious, Tony, you know, where were you on that day? And, and what, and what effect has that kind of had on you since? I'm curious. At that, on that day, I was what was in called the platoon, was it platoon leaders development course, primary leadership development course, PLDC, which is the course you go from being uh, a specialist or a corporal to a sergeant, you know, that mandatory edu education. Yep. And now I believe it's warrior leader course. And I was there on Fort Benning at a building structure school that no, no longer exists. I was getting a class on preventative maintenance. An instructor came in and said that, oh, you know, uh, one of the World Trade Centers has been hit by a plane. We don't know what it is. Is anybody from New York City? Yeah. At that time, being a member of 3rd Ranger Battalion, we were in one of the aggressive alert statuses that, that we sometimes uh, go on in special operations. And all the other Rangers there from Fort Benning, there was just an absolute gas of how do I get the hell out of here? 
and find out what's what's going on. And so it would be another 10 days or so until we graduated from that course after we un understood the magnitude. But on graduation day, my squad leader was there with my helmet. And then back then it was called an LCE. Um, and, and we went off to uh, a piece of train and on Fort Benning where we did the first rehearsal of what would be the jump in to objective Rhino. So how that affected me personally, much as the reason you're on here, and I'm not trying to draw too big of a tangent here or, or too big of a parallel, but military service can provide one hell of an opportunity uh, when, the when the nation's at need. And granted, it's been in need for quite a while. And I think if we've learned anything, it will continue to be. So 9-11 to me reflects what can happen when we don't take evil seriously. That's how I look at it. And so they say the, um, the price of, what's the price of freedom? Yeah. Eternal vigilance. Yeah, so I, I think I think we've seen that, and how that our nation does that going forward will be will be extremely extremely interesting. And I, I think you're right. With without how we react to those events, are probably exactly the reason that we're here today. And I or maybe it's not too big of a parallel to say maybe that's why we want to continue to give back. You know, the legacy just isn't for those folks that you just soapbox me here. Yeah, the, uh, the, the maybe the legacy isn't for our Ranger buddies and the people we serve with. Maybe that legacy is for the American people. Yeah, and our veterans are first and foremost citizens. Yeah, absolutely. First, first, four. And so, my first question for you, which is planned. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. Eight by eleven, though, is being active duty. What's been your reaction to participating in podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I get guys who text me all the time who will text me right after this, be like, Hey, Jesse, I just caught you on a morally podcast, like great content and, and stuff like that. I mean, it, it really comes down to really building the network and what this all kind of comes back to it. Your platform allows me to reach out and to help more people. And I've had, you know, dozens of people reach out to me over the last couple months, you know, my own soldiers who've seen me and then soldiers who I've never even met before. Uh, shoot me a note and say, you know, hey, Jesse, I would love to speak to you. I've got this VA loan thing going on. You know, can I have you help me crunch the numbers? And you'd be surprised, Tony. I mean, so many people have reached out to me and, and your platform is incredible. So I appreciate coming on every month, but it's been overwhelmingly uh, positive, I would say, just coming on these podcasts and continuing to continuing to build my network. So, Well, that, that's outstanding. And between Lieutenant General Michael Farader at the National Veterans Memorial Museum and his desire to build this database that will allow every veteran's story to be captured. Well, we don't have to wait till we're done to <laughs> share our lessons learned. So I, I'm great that you've had a positive reaction. And for the other folks, there's probably opportunities out there. Always check first to make sure you're allowed, depending on what your unit is. But once you're cleared hot, there's people that can benefit from your story. So let's talk money. Right. You had mentioned crunching numbers on the VA loan. Last episode, when we were talking real estate investing, we were talking mindset, right? So we, we know we have some uh, abilities once we decide to with the VA home loan to get some really, you really don't get capital, but, but you have access to some opportunities you want. So 
let's say I wanted to get started. So how much is enough? What's the number? And I know it's different for everybody, but let's get started with that. When you're starting to crunch the numbers that this is something that you want to do, what are your considerations? Yeah, so there's really two ways that I look at it. If I'm doing a, you know, a conventional route, you know, banks like to see anywhere from 25 to 25% of the actual price of the property as a down payment to secure your loan. And a loan can be anywhere from 10 years to 20 years to even 30 years at a specific interest rate. So that's that's if someone's trying to go a, a conventional route or something like that. You know, if someone's trying to utilize the VA loan, obviously the huge benefit for military, you know, soldiers and their families is use of the VA loan, which allows us the ability to go 0% down. Now understand Tony with the VA loan and putting zero down, your monthly payment that you owe on the loan is gonna be a little bit higher because you don't have that 20% down um, like I was saying before in a conventional scenario. So, but it's still a phenomenal opportunity. I mean, your BAH in a single family home could easily cover that monthly payment, or you could utilize the VA loan and use it on like a duplex or a triplex or something like that, where you and your family are living in one unit and you're renting out the other units to now cover that monthly payment that you owe on the loan. Meanwhile, Tony, you're just pocketing that BAH every month. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal way. And I hate hearing the story how it's like, Jesse, I, I don't have money. Like, I, I can't I can't get started. I can't do what you do. And it's like, that's that's totally just a limiting belief. Like, let me show you how to crunch the numbers and how to look at the monthly payment and stuff like that and how you can make it work for your scenario. So that's kind of like a bottom line up front, though. So let's look at those two different options then. Home ownership with the idea because it is an investment with the idea of selling to sure. then make a profit if you're only somewhere two, three years um, or holding, right? So that's that's like the, and then we'll talk multiple, um, like a duplex, multiple mm -hmm. um, rentable properties first. So I would think with a home, one of the first things you want to do is a little bit of research on resale value sure. or the ability, how, how rapidly those homes flip when they are on the market. Yeah, that's a great point. And I would, you just hit on such an important point. I would tell anybody to look at where you're at in the market cycle when purchasing a home. Because if you think of, if you can think back to the crash of 08, where single family homes, you know, went through the floor because of lending issues at kind of a government, federal government level, you know, if you bought that single family home in, in 2007, and then you're PCSing and looking to sell in 2009, you could now run into an issue because of where the market cycle is at with reselling that home at a profit. You're probably now looking at a loss. So I, I would recommend to anybody who's looking at that two to three year model, you know, I'm gonna buy a home when I get there and sell when I leave to really look at where you're at in the market and not get caught in a possible 2008 scenario where now you could possibly get burned and have to sell for a loss in that type of scenario. Super important and great point. But if it's something that you're committed to, much like investing in the stock market and having really faith in the economy over time, isn't it also possible for that house, though, if you rent it out to still pay the mortgage, though, even if you don't pocket a eight, 10, maybe great $20,000 profit like we're seeing now uh, uh, over $20,000 for, you know, a couple hundred to, to three, four hundred thousand dollars at that rapid turn you still have that ability to hold and have somebody pay your pay your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, 
everything that I do and that we do currently is always viewed as a long-term hold. We're not, you know, fix and flip investors and stuff like that. And I'll tell you that if you look at the market cycle of real estate, even through crashes and stuff, real estate as a whole has always increased over a long-term uh, scale. So if you were looking at, you know, 10, 20 years of holding that home, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And even, even during, you know, recessions or depressions and stuff like that, I mean, you still have that money coming in every month, especially if you're renting in a military town, just to, you know, use Columbus, Georgia, as an example, Fort Benning's still open. People still have to go and live there and rent there during recessions. And that's why using your VA loan, it's so powerful. And, and utilizing that home. It, it'll work through a recession, it'll work through a downturn and everything. But it's just something to pay attention if you're looking to sell, but there's nothing ever wrong with the long-term hold. And actually, I highly recommend that to a lot of people. So Just continue to build equity and we can talk about yeah. that uh, a little bit later. So now let's take a look at the, these duplexes. Is there a rec recommendation? Do you, do you go into to buy the, the duplex? Are you buying a part of an apartment complex? Are you looking where there's townhomes? What, what would go into your calculus if you're maybe a little bit risk averse, you want to start, you know, but you want to get into it. You're not worried about maximizing your profit. You're worried about not losing your money and gaining reps, gaining experience. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And I would tell anybody, you know, in this scenario, if I was going to purchase a, uh, a duplex, which obviously is, is just a home with, you know, basically two homes put together, if they're side by side or on top of each other or whatever, you know, to look at what market rent is in that area. You know, if I was going to rent out the top floor, how much could I get for it? Can I get a thousand dollars? Can I get $1,200, $1,500, whatever that is, and then take that number and then match it up to what my monthly payment is going to be on that VA loan. And if I'm pretty close, or you know, if my monthly payment on the VA loan is a thousand dollars, and you know, average rent is like twelve hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars for that one, you know, that unit, then you know, I'm feeling pretty comfortable. So I would tell anybody to just do some research on the market. You know, okay, my other unit is a two bedroom, one bath. That's running at an average of I'm making this up a thousand dollars in this market. I know my monthly payment to the VA is eight hundred dollars or nine hundred dollars. You know that's pretty safe. Uh, it's a pretty safe investment. It's you know no major issues as long as it's in a military town. You're confident that you can get it rented and uh, and stuff like that. But those are the two things I would match up the market rent to what your monthly payment's going to be. So let's get into the military town piece. So if I if I'm a younger um, enlisted soldier. And I mean younger, I mean chronologically in age. So let's say I'm 19, 20 years old. Maybe I have some credit. Maybe I worked, you know, for a few years and I have the ability to get this duplex. How do I safeguard myself if I have a sergeant first class who may be a great service member, but a less than ideal renter? Like who am I drawing up these documents with to kind of ensure myself, how am I kind of onboarding that that team or these things I can find online and I just put my name at the top of them? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I think in any situation, I mean, it's good to have a strong lease structure in a lease structure, have an attorney or a lawyer, someone with you know a legal background, look over that lease that that tenant is going to sign or maybe that 
you know, whoever renter that you're not super confident about, you know, I'd also say in that situation, and it's, it's easy to do with the duplex, but, you know, tenant uh, betting or, or making sure that your tenant, you know, has a good job, uh, you know, have they ever been evicted before? Do they have any type of criminal history? Um, stuff like that, just to ensure that there's going to be no issue with them uh, paying your rent every month. But I would say a strong lease and vetting your tenants are, are two super important things when looking at, uh, you know, should I allow this person into my home to rent um, and, and really pay me rent every month? So that's an important note to make. So now I have some, this is the officer side of me coming out then. Yeah legal questions then now now i'm kind of concerned right so can can jag help me with this lease or if this is for profit the military does not and i need to get a civilian lawyer to to maybe look over those things um to protect myself yeah that's a good question i mean i definitely consulted a bunch of uh, jags before in our in our own portfolio i mean we have uh, an attorney who sets up our limited liability company or our llc which is a huge part of insurance and what goes into that so for for me personally i utilize a civilian lawyer but i'm, I'm very confident that a jag obviously gets civilian law education and, and goes to a civilian law school to be able to do what he does i'm i have no i have every doubt or i have every confidence in my mind that if you brought them a lease and asked them to look it over that they would give you some type of legal opinion and how to word things and and stuff like that but me personally we have a lawyer who sets up our llc and uh, also looks over our lease structure and, and kind of helps us put the pieces together, if that kind of makes sense. It, it, it does. And so let's go back to then betting, right? Is there anything, and I think this is where the lawyer comes into play as well, but I obviously have not done this, so that's why I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Is there a requirement? Every state might be different, but in terms of, do you, if you put something out for rent, is it the same as putting a house for sale right, where you have to make it open to the general public and just for um, equal opportunity, not just of, of race, gender, that type of stuff, but like in terms of not preferentially um, mm -hmm. giving that unit out. Yeah, no, that's a great point and equal opportunity. And I think it's uh, fair tenant law. Obviously you have to put it out and be able to rent it to uh, everyone. Uh, which is super important and uh, and obviously just the right thing to do. Um, I just know that you know when vetting tenants that and it's state by state dependent, but you're allowed to do background checks on the tenants, um, which you can actually have the tenants pay for to look for like criminal history and and stuff like that. You're you're allowed to ask you know has the tenant ever been evicted or or you know what type of job do they have? What is their monthly income? You know the only reason I I bring this up is if that you know rent of the unit is a thousand dollars a month. And, you know, John Smith is only working two hours a week, you know, somewhere making like $100 a week. Obviously, now you can see an issue because John Smith definitely has more expenses than just uh, paying for his rent every month as well. So something important to know. But yeah, fair tenant laws are extremely important. Um, they're very crucial to open that up to everyone. But I would look into a specific state law to see uh, what what you can kind of utilize to also conduct some background checks just to make sure that uh, it's the right tenant for your property. and and meets your kind of like your demand and stuff like that. So, all right. So if somebody doesn't meet you at work or doesn't meet you for being a, a, in your unit or, or through these podcasts, do you know of any local type associations or groups that someone could go and get information to? We've talked about the JAG a little bit who mm -hmm. may or may not be able to provide 
some level of structure or someone thinking about it, just somebody to run things over with? Are there local realtors associations? Is there anything online where someone could kind of go or business mentors? What's your recommendation? Because I know you have family, which makes it great. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. I mean, there's local real estate meetups and and these are free. And there's I've been to the one in Columbus, Georgia. I've been to the one in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been to the one in Oklahoma City. Um, basically, these are just free meetups you can go to. And usually they honestly, they serve food at them. And it's just kind of like a big networking event that usually happens once or twice a month. And you can really go and just get help from people or explain your situation um, and just be like, hey, I'm, I'm looking to purchase this property. You know, can someone help me crunch the numbers on it? Or is, is there somebody here who maybe would like to partner with me on the deal or, or something like that? But there's all these local real estate meetups, Tony, in, in every town across America, and they're all free. And you can go to them and, and speak with mentors and uh, and network with people. I mean, they're really great events. So, so what I'm hearing this, you know, we always hear grow your tribe, grow your tribe. Like if you're not the expert, there's somebody out there that probably wants to share with you, especially if you're active duty. I, I would think they would find it pretty interesting when you give them your background. When you go into these places, you might feel like a little bit of a unicorn while you're there. But I, I bet. I bet people say, I won't help that guy. I bet that doesn't happen. It's, uh, I'll, I'll tell this to everybody. Real estate is like the biggest team game in the world. Like when I go to these events and I talk to these people, everyone is lifting each other up. Everybody from the guy who's 60 years old and has been doing this for the last four decades to uh, the guy who's looking to get his first property under contract. It's like, that's the greatest thing about real estate is it's one of the biggest team sports in the world. And everyone is really super motivated to help each other. So I highly recommend, you know, check out your local real estate meetup and, and go to it. it. It's a free event and you're probably going to meet somebody new who's going to help you succeed in the future. Well, let's, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to leave it for that tonight. As many people know, this is the start of the NFL football season. So, we, you know, there are some priorities that we must keep in line here uh, for tonight's kickoff, but let's go then maybe next month, let's maybe take a look at selecting these properties. Mm -hmm. maybe like what you were kind of looking for, what's been successful for you, but then just some general lessons learned as people start talking to their lawyer, maybe looking in the bank, really checking out that VA home loan and they start looking at properties. Maybe we can give them some delineators, things that they can look at, but that uh, might help them make that decision. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And to kind of segue into next month, I mean, selecting the property is super important. What we look for are what I would refer to as deal criteria or the exact property that we look to get under contract is, is super important. And uh, yeah, I can share some great points for sure. All right, Jesse, once again, thanks for coming on. We always appreciate your time sharing your expertise, wanting to be a ranger for life right? Sh sharing your knowledge with, with other uh, service members and veterans. And then anybody else just listening out there and, and, and along the interwebs, I hope you do have uh, a, a reflective 9-11. Um, um, for, for those of you out there, I, I hope it fuels your fire. And uh, we want to make sure that as you leave this podcast, you just ensure that you do something for somebody else. Jesse, take care and have a great evening. Thanks, Tony. You too, brother. See you later. Rangers either way. We hope you enjoyed a Morley podcast with Tony May, and we appreciate your viewership. If you'd like to hear more from Tony or one of his guests, you can view or listen to past episodes at tonymain.podbean.com. Until next time, 
be a community builder for America.